Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey, Jordan Harbinger here. Subscribe to the only show that will show you how to apply the world's greatest ideas from the most striking minds. After presenting more than a thousand interviews, I couldn't be more compelled to introduce you to the Jordan Harbinger Show. We've got spies and CEOs, athletes and authors from Kobe Bryant to Malcolm Gladwell, Tony Hawk and Howie Mandel to the chairman of Google, founders of LinkedIn and Instagram, antiquities smugglers, con men, brilliant scientists, national heroes, and even the head of the CIA. Listed as Apple's best of 2018 and countless other awards that, let's be honest, you probably don't care about right now. So come and have a listen for yourself and join me as we exploit the superpowers of the world's most incredible thinkers, amazing achievers, and iconic change makers with their insights delivered right into your mind. You'll get that blueprint of their brilliance each week so that you can learn to live what you listen. Subscribe right now to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're listening now. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. Hey guys, it's Riley here with Rula 2, and attention to all you true crime lovers. The hit Reels Channel podcast, Murder Made Me Famous, is back with an all-new episode on Podcast One. Join crime reporter Steve Helling and those involved in the cases as they examine the most infamous crimes imaginable to unravel the twisted personalities that were thrust in the spotlight. Those including the Green River Killer, Jeffrey Dahmer, and Jack the Ripper. Download new episodes of Murder Made Me Famous every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey, Jordan Harbinger here. Subscribe to the only show that will show you how to apply the world's greatest ideas from the most striking minds. After presenting more than a thousand interviews, I couldn't be more compelled to introduce you to the Jordan Harbinger show. We've got spies and CEOs, athletes and authors from Kobe Bryant to Malcolm Gladwell, Tony Hawk and Howie Mandel to the chairman of Google, founders of LinkedIn and Instagram, antiquities smugglers, con men, brilliant scientists, national heroes, and even the head of the CEO. Listed as Apple's best of 2018 and countless other awards that, let's be honest, you probably don't care about right now. So come and have a listen for yourself and join me as we exploit the superpowers of the world's most incredible thinkers, amazing achievers, and iconic change makers with their insights delivered right into your mind. You'll get that blueprint of their brilliance each week so that you can learn to live what you listen. Subscribe right now to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're listening now. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash, like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP, but don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Know how. General states pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831 
hello, hello. Welcome to Rule of Two. This is uh, one of the primary podcasts on the Collider Jedi Council podcast feed. And of course, you're watching us right now on the Collider Video YouTube channel. And it's weird sitting here across from Mr. Mark Fernandez. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. It's it's something different. I don't think we've ever done a one-on-one show before. Never? I don't think so. I've been in this room with you and Riley. We've definitely done you, yeah, like more than once. I don't maybe more than once for that, but I don't think we've just ever done a, a show together. Well, look, there's a first time for everything, and I like here the we sound are. Of that. Episode, uh, what is it? Episode fifty-four. Episode fifty-four. You know, as everybody's been sort of tweeting at me and like said, kind of like preempting the episode. It's the Zach Thomas episode. You know that means Zach? so much to me. Yeah, well, Zach <laughs> Thomas is a, a linebacker, number fifty-four for the Miami okay. Dolphins. Um, played in like uh, the uh, 90s into the early aughts. Good linebacker, but like, you know, hometown hero in Miami. So here you go. Episode 54 dedicated to the great Zach Thomas. I feel like my brain can only process right, <laughs> right. now fantasy football stars and nothing else. Oh, but I'll try, I'll try to back right. pocket that. <laughs> so look, a little sort of behind the scenes here. Perry uh, joined the fan, the official Collider Sports Fantasy Football League last season, okay, your 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 team went well into the playoffs, right? You were yeah, one of the top four well. teams, right? Yep. You lost in the first round of the playoffs. Got, it was a rough one too. It was a it was a big loss against Adam Smith, but you're back this season and you drafted a pretty good team. I think I drafted a good I think I drafted a good team for someone who had eleventh pick out of twelve. Yeah. I, t- yeah. I took some risks up front. And I'm yeah, hoping it's, they it's pay off pick. right now. You got Deshaun Watson. Who's I your do. running back again? I took Deshaun Watson and Travis Kelsey first. Travis my, my Kelsey. My running backs are, are a little weak, but I made a trade over the weekend. Oh, did you make a I, trade wait, already? Wait, let me make sure I say the right name before I say something Oh, wow. You already made now. a trade. Who'd you trade I with? Did. I did. I dropped someone. Who's, who's the New England Patriots player who just had a suspension lifted? Josh Gordon. I, I swooped him and I, I snatched him up. Oh, I thought, I thought one of you guys were going to do it, but nobody did. So I Stash thought maybe pick. I should give it a go. So you didn't make a trade. You made a free agent acquisition. Well, yeah, not not a trade, but I had to drop one of my players and I had a bunch right. of throwaways anyway. And, and then I, I picked him up. But I was Smart sure, pick. I was sure someone pick. else was going to beat me to it. No one did. Hopefully it paid yeah. off. So look, um, I know that uh, coming this weekend, uh, you're going to start, um, you're going to D23. Yes. Right. Yep. We're going on Friday and Saturday, pretty much all day, both days. There's tons of content. And um, is there anything Star Wars related that you can? I mean, obviously the Obi Wan thing is mm-hmm. is what everybody's you know hoping for. What are you most excited about for D twenty three, and what do you think you're going to see? Oh, it's such a hard thing to choose because I'm really excited for anything Episode Nine I can get my hands on. I was really satisfied with what we've seen thus far, and I thought the show that they put on mm. at a Star Wars Celebration was great just with the laugh reveal and everything. But, you know, it's it's time to kick off the heavy promotional push now, so I'm curious to see what they do that with. But D, uh, Disney Plus is coming in November, I think on uh, November 12th, mm. and... It's not even just – I'm very excited for The Mandalorian all on its own, but it's not even just about Mandalorian. It's about how Mandalorian is going to fit into, like, the overall launch puzzle to a major component of Disney that's going to take it well into the future. So just to see how all of that comes together with everything around Mandalorian, I'm very intrigued by that. So in November, we got Disney Plus at launch. We're getting Mandalorian and Clone Wars. Is that correct? I'm not or sure is- if Clone Wars is at launch. 
Is Clone Wars? I, I thought Clone Wars was coming out in October. Is that totally off? I would be surprised if it came out in October when because Disney Plus hadn't launched. Right. I'm not. I'm not up yeah, on yeah. the the dates for that one. But I I know. I believe the last I heard was Mandalorian. What is it? Eps one and two are coming at launch, and I don't know if they revealed their release strategy thereafter. But whether it's like all at once or if it's going to be yeah, weekly. I don't think I want it all at once. I think yeah. CBS All Access I think does a decent job. With Star Trek doing it weekly, you know, I think I, I think the weekly thing just creates more of a moment around it, right? It's the Game of Thrones vibe, and that that's kind of the void I want to fill. We don't really yeah, have – because I love binge-watching any show, but we don't really have event TV where everybody has to shut down at a certain time or, like, hop on Twitter to be part of that conversation. So if they go with the weekly format, I, I'm kind of glad that that might be part of my life again. All right, well, look, uh, um, episode 54, we're joined uh, by the great uh, Perry Nemiroff, and um, we have a lot to talk about. That we do. Uh, in addition to D23, we got to talk about some Obi-Wan stories. Now that we uh, have heard via deadline that this Obi-Wan series is probably happening, I'm afraid to say definitely, because <laughs> right, how right. many times have trades reported that we're going to get a spinoff movie or something only for that whole yeah, plan especially to, with Star to go Wars, down especially in flames? But assuming that this, uh, this series is... Is coming our way real soon. We thought we'd throw out a couple of story ideas for what we want to see in the new series. So that is the plan today. Let's get into it. Rise. Okay. Yeah. So we're we gonna do it. Take it. Yeah. yeah I go. go. I go first. I go. You know. Look, we're 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 kind of like in a Padawan situation here, but Perry is an established Jedi. Of the highest order, but I'm actually she, a Grand Moff. Yeah, she's a Grand Moff. Oh, okay. So really, Grand Moff Nemiroff. Grand Moff Nemiroff. But yeah, but that's a different. This is like. I, yeah. This is like. Um, that's like canon. We we live in like the non-canon world here at. Rula I guess too. so. I don't know. I think yeah, ever since more... I was like bestowed that name, I've always embraced that idea, and I, I'm like a little afraid of myself because I feel if I existed in the Star Wars cinematic universe, I might veer towards like the order and the structure and the hierarchy of the Empire, and it freaks me out. Right. Um, but do you have that call to the dark? Like, is the Force calling you, or are you happy being a sort of Sith logistics officer on an Empire ship running all of the, you know, things that need to happen for a ship to run? Or do you feel that call that there's something bigger waiting for you out there past the Twin Suns? One, I am up to my eyeballs in Jewish guilt, so okay. I don't think the dark side would ever really be for me, but <laughs> right. I think you know how I operate here. It doesn't matter what we accomplish in any given day. There's always going to be that something else that I think we can achieve, so I think that perfectly describes how I feel. Okay, so for me, look, I always you know, dream about obviously like you know having the Force and nurturing the Force and learning the ways of the Force. Um, again, I probably spent way too many hours this weekend playing Skyrim VR with the Jedi mods. If you have a VR rig and you want to experience everything you ever wanted to do as a kid with Star Wars, I, I suggest you take the time and the effort. Get Skyrim VR, get all the Jedi mods, the Magic of Saber mods, um, and go to town with it. But uh, in any case, um, Obi-Wan... And look, this is obviously something that we've been all wanting for a very long time, mm -hmm. right? We, we, you know, we've talked about it on this show ad nauseum. Um, at some point last week, a site called Cineflix or something like that, or Cineflix. The uh, news started with Cinelinks. 
Cinelinks. Yes, and then deadline confirmed. Some site that we don't know, right, dropped the news that um, Obi-Wan was a go, that Ewan McGregor had signed on to to play the 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 titular. I'm not saying that word. (laughs) (laughs) I I will only write that word. (laughs) Right, right. The titular. uh, Yeah, look, I'm Cuban. I'm still learning the language as we go. But playing the main character, right? Um, And... um, and at first, obviously, we all got excited about the news, but we weren't taking it very seriously, okay? Um, I actually made some phone calls, okay? And, you know, I, I rarely sort of flex my collider muscle with the, with the pubs, uh, with, with the publicists or the agents. But for this one, I did. I reached out, and they told me, what do you, you know, you know the drill with this stuff. That's officially the quote yeah. I got was, you know the drill, which basically means that they didn't want to tell me anything. Yeah, yeah. But then a few hours later, uh, we get the deadline story that that confirms it, right? So any other insights that you have into this? As close to confirm as possible. I mean, I am always fascinated by how these stories either leak or willingly get out there. And I don't know, the way I read this is the Cinelinks thing was probably a little bit of a leak. And then maybe Disney wanted to put some legitimacy behind it. So they went to an outlet like Deadline. But... Why would they be okay going to deadline with something like this if they didn't have something in their back pocket for right. D23 this weekend? And, and what did deadline – like the deadline report that they got confirmation from Lucasfilm, that they got confirmation from Ewan McGregor's agent? Like so, where's the confirmation born out of? As written by Collider.com and our own Matt Goldberg, deadline has confirmed that McGregor will lead an untitled Disney Plus series about Obi-Wan Kenobi. This is now the third Star Wars series slated for Disney streaming service after The Mandalorian and, of course, the untitled uh, Cassian Andor one. He doesn't seem to have... That full description specifically of where it came from, but I can find you that information. Yeah. So, so look. Obviously, you know what what we want to uh, talk about in the show is um, you know things that we would like to see in the Obi One series. I mean, look. Now that it's become a reality, um, there's there's so much void that this series I think can fill for us hardcore you know, sickly, um, you know, Star Wars fans. I mean, this is this is what we've always wanted, right? And and I got to give a little bit of credit here to Christian because during the time that we were all thinking that an Obi-Wan movie was the obvious choice, Christian was really the first one that was giving me a little pushback saying maybe it's it would be better as a series. Now, mm-hmm. if you ask me, do you want to see Obi-Wan as a series or a film – I'm still leaning film. I think given the idea that I'm most drawn to, I would go with film. Right. Because like – but maybe there's – like I don't know. Let's think about that for a second. If what we want is more Mm Obi-Wan, right? If what we want is more Big Mac as everybody's in the comments you know, talking about and we just want to stuff our face with two or three Big Macs over the course of a weekend – Maybe TV series is the way to go, right? Like, if they put a great showrunner behind it, we all know Ewan McGregor's a great actor. He won the Golden Globe for Best Actor in a, in a Dramatic Series for his work on Fargo Season 4, I believe it was. I think so. 
You're asking the wrong person. Really? Sadly, I don't watch Fargo. You don't watch Fargo? No. I, my list of things to watch is down to the floor. Top priority right now is Mindhunter and Glow. Yeah, yeah same, <laughs> same. I mean, so much like Glow I've never seen, but Mindhunter is definitely. You would like Glow. Glow yeah. is fun. Glow is just like super heartwarming and charming and fun. Yeah. But I haven't seen the Fargo with you and McGregor. Okay. Okay. I've been kind of holding off on it. I saw the first two. No, actually, he does Fargo season three. Fargo season three is is you and because season one was the, uh, the you know like the original one um, with uh, Billy Bob Thornton. Season mm-hmm. two was the one with the with the gentleman that you admire so much uh, from The Conjuring and uh, Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson is the main guy in season two, um, and that uh, Kirsten Dunst is also a big mm-hmm. part of season two. And then Ewan McGregor was season three. He won the Golden Globe for Best Actor for that. So obviously it's good. It must be interesting work. So we got to check that out at some point. But, like, maybe that's what we want out of our Obi-Wan. We want 10, 12 hours with Obi-Wan. I'm a little torn on it because if I didn't know that they had confirmed it as a series and it didn't matter what format, you asked me what story do I want to see with Obi-Wan or, or a better a better question is, like, if there was one thing about another Obi-Wan story that I would want to make sure that they did, what would it be? And it would be upholding his his time on Tatooine. I don't I don't want to see him go anywhere else. There's something about How come? there's something about like the texture and the vibe and the feeling that I get when I see old Ben in A New Hope that truly makes me feel and believe that he has been there. He has been there dealing with stuff and watching out for Luke for such a long period of time that I don't know if I found out he went off world and broke that. I would miss that feeling. And if that is the mindset I go into another Obi-Wan story with, him being in one location like that feels a little more to me like a feature. But then again, you make a good point with saying, if we're finally going to get this character back and I want to spend as much time with him as possible, yes, there is the possibility they could do, let's say, an Obi-Wan film trilogy. But the biggest guarantee right out the gate for maximum Obi-Wan content is a series. Yeah, so... So for me, and I've talked about this on the show before, so um, I might be rehashing some things that some folks have already heard. But for me, the story that I get the most fascinated by with Obi-Wan is right after the events of Revenge of the Sith, Yoda tells um, Obi-Wan, the last thing he tells him before they part ways is uh, more training for you I still have. Mm-hmm. Right? He, gives him, he says, I got more training for you. And and Obi Wan's like, oh really? You got more training? Like, you know, what is it? I mean, the, the, I'm paraphrasing here, obviously. Um, and he tells him, um, your master wants to speak to you from the other side. Basically, he tells him that. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Qui Gon, right? So he based that's a little cliffhanger that you get at the end of Revenge of the Sith, is that Yoda says there's more training for you, which basically is. To become a blue glowy, which is maybe what Yoda sees as his destiny down the line, Mm -hmm. to really not give – yeah, like when he's in Tatooine, um, when he's in Tatooine, he gives the the, – you know, he's like um, the sort of distant bodyguard of of Luke, but he's not really involved in his life. The most involved he is in Luke's life is actually after Obi-Wan passes away, right? So he had to learn how to do that to some degree, right? Yeah. So now um, Qui-Gon and him start to commune, okay? And Qui-Gon tells him, like, dude, you, you haven't finished your mission. I asked you, 
please take care of this boy. He is the chosen one. And he's like, well, well you know what do you mean? I, le- I, I, I left him dead on a lava planet. And he's like, no, he lives. Darth Vader lives. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. And he's like, oh, shit, it is true. And he's like, you have to try and bring him back. You know? So to me, it's a little too much to ask for. But the only thing that could pull Obi-Wan out of his responsibility of looking over Luke is to make the choice to honor his master's wishes, which is to save the chosen one, Mm -hmm. to actually bring the chosen one into balance so that the prophecy can be fulfilled. And if Qui-Gon, I mean, look, can you imagine if they announced that Liam Neeson is coming back for this series? Like, actually, like, let's just tangent on that for a second. Do you think that that's a possibility? I do think that's a possibility because I think that, I mean, obviously we know nothing officially with where they're going to take this story, but having him come back as a Force ghost makes a lot of sense, and there's no reason to think that that can't be a possibility. So, look, we're going to take a quick little Super Chat break, even though, like we always say, we don't we don't solicit it, but when we do get it, we appreciate it, and we know that you guys want to get involved in the show and support the show, and it's a very kind way to do it. Mr. Locke 999 asks... Obi-Wan wish list equals pickup when episode three ends. Obi uh, yeah. decompressing loss of Jedi Order, PTSD from killing Anakin, falling out uh, with the Lars, discovery of Anakin's survival, Vader confrontation, Qui-Gon. All these things make perfect logical yeah. sense. And like just reading off that list, it's like I'm sure that everybody has a list very similar to that. And all that stuff to me sounds great. Well, if it sounds natural, I mean, that list right there speaks to the whole conversation that we've been having for years now is why haven't we gotten the continuation of his story? And it was also while we were talking earlier, I was thinking of that line where where uh, he's called, a, what is it, a crazy old wizard or something right, right, right. in A New Hope? Like, I want to know the why hermit. he, something like that. Yeah. I want to know what gave him that reputation, too. Yeah. And that, that could add some levity, because I read this description here from Mr. Locke, and I mean, that sounds like, you know, an appropriately heavy series, given what he went through in the last film where we left him off, but... The idea of it having just like a, a touch of levity, I feel like might be important. Um, all right, we got another one here. $5 from Nick C. Do you think a disconnect between young kids and Star Wars has come from a large amount of negativity arising from episode eight on YouTube? I don't necessarily just want to point a finger at YouTube because I feel like it's on all social media platforms and everything. But sure. I, I definitely think that, you know, it. This doesn't pertain to how I feel about any of the new movies whatsoever. It is so well beyond that. But the thing that has been the most recent big red flag for me is Galaxy's Edge Mm. underperforming. Mm -hmm. Just all the hype around that because we're so heavily focused on, you know, movies and box office and Rotten Tomatoes score and cinema score and all that stuff. That is all in our bubble. But the second it branches out to a major arm of the Disney Corporation, I mean, theme parks and merchandise, that's a big deal in that company. Mm -hmm. The second I see that, that sentiment possibly affecting another arm, that's when I start to realize how big this disconnect has grown. Yeah, and um, I think a lot of the disconnect falls, you know, we'll get into back into Obi-Wan in a second, but I think that a lot of it falls from steering away from the mission plan um, or the mission statement, I should say. And the mission statement for Star Wars, and I've heard George Lucas say this a hundred times, it's a movie for 12-year-olds. And the themes... And the, the, the hooks and the connective tissue have to be relevant topics to 12-year-olds, which basically means 
relevant topics to people that are coming of age. You know, so that's why there's so much morality play in Star Wars about you have, you know, the the idea of being able to make bad decisions and redeem yourself of those choices as long as in the end you do the right thing. Mm -hmm. That's a very, 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 very important lesson that takes a lot of trial and error to understand. You know, like like, you know, the choosing of good and evil, the choosing of being selfless as opposed to selfish. These kind of brand pillars of Star Wars that are really kind of like the coming of age story, right? Like episode one, I'm sorry, um, uh, the original trilogy is definitely a coming of age story of a young kid going, you know, beyond the twin sons, right? And then you have the prequels, which is way more complicated, but also a coming of age story of a young man who falls into jealousy and hatred and anger and, and his own ego and loses everything. And then you get the sequels and you almost kind of have that a little bit with Ray and with Kylo. You right. Know, but the thing is, but maybe, I totally see what you're getting at yeah. right now. And it just, it brings up an interesting uh, issues, the wrong word, an interesting uh, feeling when it comes to any sort of coming of age movie. I feel like, most most coming of age scenarios we get start with a kid with his or her family, his or her parents, and then leaving and moving mm-hmm. beyond that. Whereas when we're talking about both Ray and Finn, Ray, Ray is at the beginning, you know, orphaned, and Finn's all off on his own as a, a stormtrooper. I uh, just interesting. It, interesting. I see te- what you're, it's yeah. like technically they are going through come and. Also, even though most coming-of-age stories we see are about kids growing up into young adulthood, a coming-of-age story can happen at any point in your life if you're moving on. But traditionally, as far as cinema stories go, I feel like maybe a little bit of a disconnect or the inherent charm that usually comes with a classic coming-of-age story might not have been there at the start for Ray and Finn simply because they didn't have families around them. First of all, it's a very, very, very good point because it also leads a little bit into that sort of mystery box or or kind of negative void that J.J. Abrams created with the first one where everyone's asking, well, who is Ray's parents? Like, where does she come from? You know, who are you? It's like in the trailers, right? And, like, we're still asking that question, yeah. right? We, we still don't really know, even though in The Last Jedi, of course, we heard that they were filthy junk traders and all that stuff. Um, we still don't know, um, but it's lacking a little bit of of that only because I think that the new um, mission statement for Star Wars was let's right the wrongs of the prequels, right? Even though I disagree with that because I love the prequels. But I think at a corporate level, it was like the prequels turned off a lot of fans. Let's right those wrongs, right? Let's uh-huh. not – Let's go a little bit nostalgic to the original trilogy, which is what everybody loved, okay? And let's give them that. So let's focus on that 30-something to 40-something audience as our primary target with these new movies. And as a result, toy sales have cratered. I mean, Mm. it's not even funny. It's like they don't even really make those anymore. The sales have gone so bad. The comic book sales I don't know about. To be honest with you, so like I haven't heard a lot of numbers in it, but I have heard that all of the ancillary stuff is down, but I know the toys are down big mm-hmm. time. And then you get to the theme parks, and theme parks are for kids. Theme parks are not for you and me. I mean, even though we, we excuse me, we'd have fun at them, but the theme park is when you're, a, a, you know, like a nuclear family unit, and you're like, hey, 
let's take the kids to Disney World because this is what's going to make their imaginations flourish. You know, and when they get there, they have no idea what the hell's going on. None of the stuff is speaking to them directly. They have, like, secret people saying, hey, do you want to join the resistance? Do you want to join the bad guys? And giving you, like, making you lightsabers. Yeah. They, they, they have failed to connect to the younger audience. I mean, like, you know, we're way off topic here on Obi-Wan. Um, and I even forgot why we're even here. But, um, yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> the beauty right, we, of a tangent. Yeah, we got another one here. Um, if we are fantasy booking... Um, I gotta read these first because sometimes you get weird as I try to write funny stuff in here. But anyway, <laughs> could we see a possible Hayden Christensen cameo in a similar confrontation to the mask break moment with Rebels in Ahsoka? I mean, how cool would that be? I I just I want to see him get a little love. I'm very hung up on what you said before about the uh, the prequels too. The ahead, idea of the the business mentality being righting the wrong because even though I I enjoy the prequels quite a bit, I also think I was the perfect age for the prequels. Where yeah. even if I hadn't seen four, five, and six, and I started with the prequels, I think that right. for me as the movie fan I was when those movies came out, that would have had that, that childlike wonder charm that would have sucked me in. In 1999, you were probably in that age range I of was 12. perfectly to... in the age range. I'll yeah. never forget, my dad took me to every single one of them, and I grew obsessed with them all, and I think I watch Attack of the Clones the most. But the idea of looking at those movies and saying to your company, we need to right this wrong, that is not one that's not fair because no matter what I'm a firm believer that no matter how low, let's say, a movie's Rotten Tomato score is or any score for that matter, there is somebody out there that loves that movie. Mm. And one of the worst things you can do to anybody who loves a movie is say, like, no, you are wrong. You can't love that. But anyway, right, right, I agree. the way you improve upon something that needs improving is you build on it. You don't say I'm going to right those wrongs. You take the good of what they started and you run with it. So. If anybody had that mentality, it's not surprising to me that it didn't pan out. Yeah. First of all, I 100% agree with you. And I do think that they had that mentality. I think that that mentality has been discussed. Uh, there's an incredible – and I've talked about this on the show before. But there's an incredible interview between George Lucas and Charlie Rose. It's a two-hour interview right after George Lucas stepped away from Lucasfilm. Because after they bought Lucasfilm, George Lucas was still involved for like I believe four or five months. And basically the final split happened – because George Lucas and Michael Arndt turned in a script for Episode Seven. This is the script we want to make, and um, Disney and uh, the new Lucasfilm was like, "No, we, we, we actually don't want to go in this direction. We want to go a little bit more nostalgic because we want to try to bring back some of those original, uh, you know, trilogy folks." And mm-hmm. the exact quote in the Charlie Rose episodes, and if you guys are out there, um, you know, feel free to bring it up, quote it, p- p- you know, post it or whatever. He was like, I don't really want to do the nostalgic thing. This is what Lucas said. I don't want to go nostalgic. There's a new story for a new generation. And, you know, again, I want to target this to 12-year-olds. And this was, according to him in this interview, contradictory to what Disney wanted. So he decided to step away, you know. But he decided to step away because of the the point of view that Disney wanted to do with uh, Episode Seven. Which is give it more of a to to quote him a nostalgic play, you know, and I think that that might have been the beginning of the end, or not the beginning of the end. That's way too that's way too dramatic, but that might have been I think the first crack in the armor of what I believe is the greatest entertainment franchise ever created. Even though now you can make the argument that Marvel is clearly mm-hmm. that, 
But before, it wasn't like that. If you had asked me when Force Awakens first came out, which uh, film series is going to, you know, last the longest, be the most successful, I would have put everything I had on Star Wars. Over I just, Marvel. I can't believe we're at a point where, you know, you had, and again, I like Last Jedi no matter what, but where you have the backlash from Last Jedi, and then I didn't really like Solo compared to what we just got in, let's say, Infinity War and Endgame. To me, right. They they stuck that landing above and beyond all of my expectations, and I can't believe the position we find Star Wars in right now. I know. I know. It's very, very strange. And um, because I think that they went away from what makes the brand work. They went away from, you know, keeping the story about this you – know, clearly about the Skywalkers because now it's not about the Skywalkers anymore. Or, or maybe it is, and, you know, that's going to be revealed. But they they tried so many things with it. To veer it away from what had made the franchise popular for for 25, 30 years, that now they're having to find their way at like fixing some of these wrongs and to take it back full circle, nothing is better, in my opinion, than I mean, look, you're getting me excited when you mention Game of Thrones. Imagine if the Obi-Wan series becomes the biggest television show in the world. I mean, like, it has that potential. One could only hope. You know? I think I think that, and I think a similar thing could be said for the brand new trilogy we're getting from the guys who did Game of Thrones. I think that's one of the things that's been holding this franchise back, is just, like, being almost, like, shackled to what existed before and what existed on such an exceptional level before. Yes, you want to build on something special like that, but it's this this constant push-pull, especially with this whole idea of appealing to what the fan base was when the, the whole thing first started, all these new people that you have to get in now to make sure people are buying toys again. It's just no one ever found the harmony between the two. Right, right, absolutely. Uh, we'll go one one more here, Nolan Ryan. Uh, great pitcher uh, for the Texas Rangers, uh, is a fan of the show, obviously, and he writes, I like a story expanding on Kenobi versus um, Asharad Het, the Tuscan Jedi. I don't know oh. that word. Uh, do you know this one? I, well, I had read a little bit about that. Forgive my you know, lack of uh, extended Yeah, this is like a Ken, this is like a Ken I, I do moment. Think, I do think there was a piece of material, whether it was a comic or something, that, uh, that expanded on the, the Tusken Raiders and actually gave, you know, th- they weren't just... Like almost like yeah, like like background. You actually got to know one of the characters, and that's something that always appeals to me about you know. Again, after saying don't shackle yourself to what existed before, that is something that appeals to me about expanding something that I already know, tapping into an area that was you know fairly one dimensional. When really, whether you're talking about a creature, or a creature, or a human being, no matter what, like there there is an individual with a mind in there, and yeah. I think you could tap into that in any planet, any race, you name it. Absolutely, I don't know the. Story story of um, Ash- Asharad Het, the Tuscan Jedi, but I'm going to definitely look into it because it sounds very, very interesting. Um, and uh, so, look, other things that I want to see in this um, series is I definitely want to, because th- th- there's there's hints that the that the pre uh, that that the original trilogy gives you of Obi-Wan's relationship to Tatooine, mm-hmm. right? There's the hint of the um, the crazy hermit that lives in the mountains who knows how to do the crate dr- uh, dragon call, 
right? There's like that dragon call that he knows how to do. So obviously there, that's got to be – that's kind of like the castle run of Obi-Wan is that somehow when he's in Tatooine, he learns like how to scream like a crate dragon, okay? Now, crate dragon – um, back uh, like like the lore that I know is this dragon that lives in Tatooine. It's like some like sand dragon, and um, the stomach of the dragon, the crate pearl, is actually can be used as a it's such an incredibly valuable thing that it can be used as a substitute for the kyber crystal inside of a lightsaber. Now, now I'm getting deep in the weeds and, and I'm mixing like seven different sources. But the crate Dragon Pearl is actually potentially better than the Kyber Crystal when it comes to giving a lightsaber power. Mm. Uh, this I got mostly from Star Wars Galaxies. So all the people that are out there um, are probably going to give me the big old gotcha. But if you look into Star Wars Galaxies, the crate Pearl is superior to the to the crystal. But anyway. Um, but so the 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 Kray dragon, and you do see like a skull of the Kray dragon in uh, in like in a New Hope in the background. It's mm-hmm. like that big thing. It's a big deal in like the kind of expanded like Legends canon. So there's obviously going to be some Kray dragon stuff, okay? Um, but I also um, imagine that somehow Obi Wan. There's two things that I think have to happen. Obi Wan's going to have to come into conflict with Vader at some point. And this is the chance. Like, if you really want to make Game of Thrones, give me a television show that's, you know, um, appointment viewing, like you said, weekly, that that is building up a confrontation between Obi-Wan Kenobi and friggin' Darth Vader. And yes, put Hayden Christensen in there if you have to. I mean, you want to, like, completely erase, or not erase, but write, write the... The divide in the fandom bring us all together with the Obi-Wan series. Bring people like me that are obsessed with the Jedi and the Sith and the Skywalkers and the Force and the and the legacy of all that stuff. Bring us back with this thing and mm-hmm. give us everything that we, you know, that, that we wanted in the sequels. You guys can keep your Benioff and Weiss thing and have fun with it. Like, I don't I don't really care. You know, we'll talk about it. Keep it. Keep your Ryan Johnson trilogy if that's still happening, whatever. Episode 9 at that point could be about anything, and I would not care. Like, I wouldn't even care. Give me an Obi-Wan series that has the potential of Obi-Wan coming into conflict once again with his destiny in life, which was to bring balance to the to, – to be a, a vessel to bring balance to the Force. And he did it throughout a bunch of ways. He did it, he did it through being a warrior. You know, by by killing Darth Maul, by killing uh, General Grievous, he did it as a mentor by training young Anakin Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Um, he did it by protecting Luke Skywalker. He did it by once again training Luke Skywalker, even beyond his death. Even beyond his death, his destiny is to foster this legacy along. Give me that connective tissue between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope that we all been dying for. And, like, give it to me in four seasons. Like, let's go full Game of Thrones on this thing. I think you're going to maybe get 
a bit of that in this series. I think you might be putting too much on it, though, right now. Right, because it might only feeling, be like four episodes. Yeah, well, you never really know what format they're going to run with. But I also think the whole idea of finding balance in the Force is just going to be such a key thing in Episode Nine. But I don't think that's that means only we Rise, of, Rise of Skywalker can do that. I think it's going to reverberate throughout the entire franchise going forward. But I don't even know if I would want to see Darth Vader in this. It's like we've been waiting so long for an Obi-Wan series that I kind of want the focus more specifically on him with maybe the Empire's threat looming in the background or if there was any like direct impact on him on Tatooine via the Empire. I would want it to be something like maybe the Inquisitors. Bring bring the Inquisitors to live action actually now that I'm saying that. There's a line that Christian Harloff always talks about um, which I agree with him on, which could be interpreted like like in a few different ways, and it's when Obi Wan and Vader meet on the Death Star, and they fight in front of Luke, uh, scene thirty six as it's become known now, or thirty eight or whatever. Um, there's a moment where he's like, "So we meet again, you know? Before, you know, um, you were the master and I was but the learner, okay? So obviously, you can interpret that." as that's the last time they met on Mustafar. Or you can interpret that that they met much later on, and once again, Anakin, as Darth Vader, fell to his hubris of thinking that he was more powerful than he really was, and, and Obi-Wan once again showed him who the master was and who the learner was. And that, and that kind of like ambiguous thing could be the line that this entire thing is based on. The entire Old Republic comic book, video game, all that stuff is based on a single line from Obi-Wan Kenobi in A New Hope saying, you know, oh, before the before the times, you know, before the whatever in, in the Old Republic or, you know, before the time. Mm-hmm. I forget what the line is, but it's all based on one little line, right? The entire solo movie is based on one line. You know, we did the Castle Run at 12, you know, Parsecs. They based an entire movie on that. Um, give me that moment where Obi Wan, like, it'd be, I mean, Liam Neeson is in this series. Okay, you got Liam Neeson, Hayden Christensen, Obi Wan Kenobi. You bring back Frank Oz because he's still alive. He's out there. He knows, right? Bring back one of your favorites, Jimmy Smiths. Okay. Right. I'll never say no to Jimmy Smith. I just, it's almost like the more names you add rather than it appealing to me, it almost makes it feel like like it's being overloaded, like it's sinking under the pressure. I feel like a series like this needs to establish the foundation before it's even worthy of having all of these other elements attached. And it's like, okay, okay, go off on that for a second. uh, Explain that to me. Well, I mean, even just. I mean, think a little bit about when when Rogue One came out and just like the constant talk about, you know, the second we found out Vader was in that movie, everyone was so hyper focused on Vader. And I guess it's a different situation when we're not talking about like a new group of characters. We have Obi-Wan, which is an iconic character right Right. alongside Vader, who is one of the most iconic villains of all time. But if we are finally getting our Obi-Wan series, I want to make sure the spotlight is his, especially at the start, where I'm not going into the series thinking, oh, well, how is Vader going to come back into play? Instead, I think maybe going the Darth Maul route is the right path. 
effort, okay. especially because so much foundation for that has already been set out. I mean, in they, canon. they have the architecture for that, and they have the gaps that yeah. need filling that are worth filling. First of all, excellent point, and I'm going to throw that as one of these five stories that we'd like to see in the new Obi-Wan series. We'll probably play with this title a little bit. I'm not loving this title. <laughs> but um, one of those stories, okay, we have Vader, we have Qui-Gon, and we have Darth Maul. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're absolutely right that that could be a whole thing in and of itself is that the real danger, right, that Obi-Wan faces in protecting Luke. Because you have such a great setup for a story here because you already have motivation. You know why he's there. He's there to watch over Luke. So you can create a million different variables that create a risk to Luke. One of those variables could be Darth Maul finding out where Obi-Wan is. You would have to, I think, make it a little different than in Rebels because in Rebels, it's kind of like spoiler warning. You already know exactly how it ends. Um, and um, Still a beautiful scene, though. It's a, it's a beautiful scene. I, I, I will give it to Rebels for that, one, for that moment. It was great. Mm-hmm. I thought that whole season was great. Um, the stuff with Ezra and Darth Maul, and and you really feel the conflict inside Ezra mm-hmm. in that I believe it's season three where all that goes down, and you really feel the conflict inside Ezra. By far, my favorite of the Rebels uh, uh, story arcs mm-hmm. is that Darth Maul getting Ezra closer and closer to the dark side, and eventually confronting Obi Wan and how Obi Wan does him. Um, you know, we kind of know how that story goes. Yeah. Um, I want to go. I just went off on a little tangent. Sorry to derail your idea, but I started to think about what you were saying before because, based on everything you're describing, I mean, we're not getting like old man Ben, but we are getting an older uh, hero for this series. And you were busy saying that you you want to see this unite the fandom again, the newcomers, the people who have been part of this for all this time. What would you add to this Obi-Wan series Mm. to ensure that the youngest can get into it? Because, you know, if let's say it takes place immediately after the events of episode three, when it's a very dire situation and it's him overcoming things like PTSD and all the stress that came with everything he just dealt with. That is a very like dark, deep thing that maybe let's say a 12 year old wouldn't be into. Well, first of all, it's such a good point. Because it completely contradicts everything that I've been saying and all the crap that I've been talking. And it puts it into a different light, which is a fair light to put it in, which is I think of stuff like Snow White, okay? Like Snow White's clearly for 12-year-olds, right? Would you agree? I guess so. And, you know, 12-year-olds are very generic. It's for kids. Granted, I was never the biggest Snow White fan growing up. Okay. But in Snow White, you have this incredibly menacing figure of the witch, mm-hmm. right? And uh, she's at first a very beautiful witch, and then she becomes a, a, a quite, quite the hideous old hag, you know, and, like, brings her the apple and all that stuff. And it's legitimately scary, mm-hmm. right? Like, like, there's elements oh God, of, yeah. of fear in there, right? Star Wars, the original trilogy, is all very light and it's funny and it's very comedic, but there's legit moments of... Of, of of fear in there, right? It's like everybody says the Emperor and Vader are some of the best villains yeah. in the history of Hollywood. These are serious villains, right? Um, now, it's a great it's a great question. How do you guarantee that Obi Wan the series has that appeal 
to the original mission statement of it's for 12-year-olds. And in my head, I was thinking, well, it's clearly not for 12-year-olds. I mean, it's clearly for the Game of Thrones audience, which is like 35 to like 65, right? Like, you know, uh, but then I'm, I caught myself and I'm like, well, wait a minute. Then what the hell are you talking about you know, this whole time about sticking to the brand values? Because you're right. The brand values are the coming of age. It's the kids, right? Yeah. But in my head, Game of Thrones is not for kids, right? It's it's not for kids. So here's like another question. Okay. And this doesn't even just pertain to Star Wars. This is storytelling in general. And, you know, maybe this is just because I'm older now I'm, and I'm not a kid. But thinking about all the movies that I was watching growing up and I was obsessed with, I mean, can you have a 12-year-old be super into any content where there isn't a character that is accessible to him or her based on their age? So um, sorry to interrupt, um, but it seems like we're having some technical difficulties. I see a lot of messages here about folks trying to call in. Maybe it's not going to be able to work for this show. Christian, are you there? Have you been getting oh, calls? Yeah, I've been getting calls. I just were you, did you want me to take one? And just... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all oh, good. Okay. It's all I good. You, sorry. I that you wanted a signal or something. <laughs> no worries. So typically okay. uh, we just let the callers interrupt the flow of the show and just jump into the conversation. Oh, so okay. first of all, thank you, Christian, <laughs> for letting Perry and I go off oh, yeah. uninterrupted. But cool. to the rule of two army out there, call in now, 323-522-5515. This is your chance to ask Perry Nemiroff a question about Star Wars, or you can ask me as well, and we'll be happy to. <laughs> Whoa. That I guess was quick. That's a call. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Carl. You're, you're on the air. What's your question? I, I was listening. Uh, you brought up Jimmy Smith's and Bell Organa. That could solve your problem with having something for the kids. Of now, you can follow really young Leia or Luke as uh, like a B story. It's a great point, and thank you very much for your question. Um, yeah, you know, I was thinking about that. Like, can can you do um, can you do B stories off world that are not necessarily interconnected? But I can see Jimmy Smith's like like on Facetime, right on Skype with. Uh, with Obi-Wan, right? Like, like yeah. do you see any potential there? I thought less about that initially and more just about, you know, not necessarily going off world, but having having things like like flashbacks or but that's like that doesn't go hand in hand with the B storyline thing. I mean, I I guess you could, but I still feel like it wouldn't be effective enough unless we spent enough time with let's say young Leia, which I, I'm, like, in and out of because I'm so sensitive about that character, and I never want to see that character recast. But I also really loved uh, Claudia Gray's book yeah, about I, young see, Leia. I'm I'm on the other side of that. I'm with you that I love the Leia character, and I think she's an incredible character. Um, I'm less worried about her being recast because at first, she, you know, I mean, we're talking, like, toddler, right? Would you not want to see a toddler Leia? <laughs> Can you have the— no, I, like I would want to see Leia at an age where where you could see her developing as a person, not just like walking around and you know going in whatever direction Bell points in. Right, right, right. Um, okay, let's go on that for a second, which is a great question. How old um, is Luke and Leia during the events of this show? That's a that's a great question. Um, I'm going to come at it from a backwards kind of approach because I started to think about, you know, some of the, 
I mean, actually, this isn't true now that I'm thinking about it. But some of the youngest. Sorry to cut you off real quick. Hey, Christian, is the caller still on? Because I'm getting some background noise. Just make sure you. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. All right. No worries. Some of the the most powerful arcs for young characters I've seen recently is Good Boys. I found them to be great. I thought they held their own throughout an entire movie really well. But then I started to think of a movie like Beasts of the Southern Wild where Quavenzene Wallace is great. Oh, man. You just gave me an idea. The caller gave me an idea. Thank you for that call, caller, because you just gave me an idea. Um, In A New Hope, you get the impression that Leia knows who Obi-Wan is. I mean, she she goes out of her way and risks her life to bring Obi-Wan this message. You fought with my father in the Clone Wars. This is an interesting wrinkle. Jimmy Smith, first of all, we we see, you know we you heard it here on on on, on Rula Two. Jimmy Smith is a must have for this yes. uh, for the series. Yes, please. He's a must have, and I think that you actually have a much better chance of having of having young Leia interacting with Obi Wan than you do Obi Wan interacting with young Luke. I'm just I'm trying to remember what the specific. Uh connection between Leia in that book was yeah, with the with Obi-Wan. Page Page Roberts here just writes um it, it it seems that she knew him very well or knew of him. She definitely knew yeah. him. Yeah, I mean because she there's she's risking very, her life. I feel like there's something very specific and obvious in that book that I'm forgetting right now. Something like for anybody out there who has actually read it when she go when she goes off world on a mission if that had any connection to Obi-Wan. But, but the caller was right. Think about it. Let's say you get a a pre-teen Leia in this series, played by some, you know, kind of like Stranger Things, like in that age range, maybe a little younger, but like that, bat, you know, like that, um, what's this uh, movie that just came out, The Sixth Graders? Good Boys. Yeah, so That's Good great. Boys. Yeah, like Good Boys yeah. in that kind of era, Goonies, Stand By Me, like like a little bit of characters in that age range. Star Wars has suffered from not having that for a long time. Mm-hmm. I don't think ever really they've really had, like, I think George Lucas tried to do that with young Anakin in the first, uh, in episode yeah. one. I don't think he was, he, he did it to great success. Even me as a prequelist, I, I understand how that didn't work out great. But imagine how cool it would be if you get this real nurturing relationship between Jimmy Smith's Obi-Wan Kenobi yeah. and young Leia. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling this. I think yeah. this is the I'm feeling first. It too. This is the first idea that we've brought up that I'm really excited about. So much so that I want to go back and re-listen to that yeah. audiobook now. Because there I, is another. I feel like there's something in because, that too. Because, because then it makes more sense when you hear Obi Wan and Yoda talking about no Leia is the other hope. Mm-hmm. Like we're so focused on the boy, but maybe the girl is really the one that we should be more focused on because we both knew her as she was growing up. And we've been trying to keep the secret from her. Like, we told the boy that he's a Jedi. We never told the girl that he's a Jedi, that she's a Jedi. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's our mistake, that we chose wrong here. We should have... Hmm. We should have been training her from the beginning. I like that, too, because I love ideas where you can get a future installment of a franchise, and it changes the way that you uh, look at something that came before it, something yeah. that you saw before it. It adds a whole other layer to it, and it sounds like that's the kind of idea that would do just that. Right, because you can have a conflict where Obi-Wan is like, we should train her. We should train her. And Jimmy Smith is like, I don't think we should train her. And he's like, no, 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 we should train her. Conflict, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, well, we should ask Yoda. And like Yoda, like... First of all, there's a chance to bring in Yoda, Jimmy Smith, uh, Hayden Christensen, 
friggin' uh, uh, Liam Neeson. Uh, obviously, you got to bring Ian McDermott at some point, or, or maybe not. Maybe not. He's the one that the Inquisitors. Okay. Go ahead. The more names you just said, it, it had that heavy feeling to me, but I I lasted longer through that list than I did the first time around yeah. because it does – it naturally makes more sense for certain individuals to weigh in on what happens to these children. Look, I'm sold. Now, what I would do if I was at Disney right now, I would say, look, have fun with episode nine. It's already done. It's in the can. Do your reshoots. Fix it up. It's got – you know, it's like the clip episode version of Star Wars. Do your thing. Have fun with it. Uh, you know, Ryan Johnson, if you still want to do the trilogy, great. If you don't, no harm, no foul. We'll shake hands. And whenever anybody asks of me, I'll always speak well of you. Um, Benioff and Weiss, like, yeah, look, let's, show me the script and then we'll talk about this Old Republic thing. And hopefully, you know, that's what you got. But let's just make this Obi-Wan series the best fucking television that's ever made, you know, ever been made. It's got that potential. They they need it. You're starting Disney Plus. You need to kick it off with a yeah. bang. You need to make it essential viewing. There are so many streaming services Cassie out there. Andor, you drop like, that ball. Are you excited about Cassie and Andor? Just be honest with me. I really, really love Rogue One. That is one of my favorite of the new movies. I can't, I can't say I'm all that thrilled about it, but I also think it might have something to do with the fact that I feel hmm. further removed from Rogue One at this point than I do some of the more recent installments. Cassian and or Mandalorian, which one? Mandalorian. Gets you? Mandalorian. I, I'm. I have like a fascination with Mandalorian culture and armor and everything. So the more I could learn about them, the better. So look, we have about five minutes left of the show. Any more callers in there? Call now three two three. There we yes. go. We got a caller. Caller, you're on the Hello? air. Rule of two. What's up? What's going on, guys? How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. So what I'd like to bring up is I'd like to um, just all of the Obi-Wan talk aside, I'd like to assume, like everybody else is, that the show is going to be a big hit, that Mandalorian is going to be a big hit, the ones that are coming out, you know, just going to set us off right, and Disney Plus will be on its way. With that being said, I've always thought, hmm, what's like something a little different but still in the same vein that they could do for a fun little show? And something that's always had my interest for the lore is TIE Fighter Pilots. So mm-hmm. I'd like to see something based around like a TIE Fighter Academy or a TIE Fighter Ace, like a Top Gun show based with TIE Fighter pilots, something like that. What's, what's your thoughts on that? Or do you have a show idea that's a little bit outside the box for it? So assuming everything is just a smash hit to set us off right. That's an awesome question. Thank you very much for your call. Um that comment brings me right back to Lost Stars, which, you know, I mean, everyone's heard me say it 20 times over. I love that book. Yeah. And I love the idea of, you know, we know the Jedi, we know the Sith, we know the Death Star. But think about how many individuals were on that Death yeah. Star and lost their lives. So I love going into, like, the nooks and crannies of areas like that and learning more about those individuals. The, yeah. the folks that are technically on the lower tiers. But the idea of doing something like... Whether it's TIE Fighter pilots, uh, Top Gun style, or you go on the Rebel side, I think that's got a lot of potential. Um, I think it sounds cool, but I'm, I'm less interested in that than I am in really setting up the Star Wars franchise for the next generation. And for you to set it up for the next generation, you got to bring it along with all its brand pillars. Not fracture it and focus in on peripheral things, but make sure that the brand and the base is strong. That's why I think it's so – like Obi-Wan series 
to me is like Obi Wan, you're my only hope. Like it really is kind of like my only hope, and this show's actually made me like stronger feel that way because nothing else in the horizon do I even get the sense that we're gonna get like Star Wars fans have expectations, right? And Star Wars fans all are often are let down with those expectations, mm-hmm. right, from the beginning of time. Even in the original trilogy, people had high expectations for Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi got a lot of flack when it first came out, you know? Uh, even uh, Empire Strikes Back got a lot of flack, mm-hmm. for, you, know, you know, when it first came out. All the movies do because Star Wars sets the expectations so high. Um, Obi-Wan is the best chance to match the expectations of the audience. And that's why, like, yes, it would be fun to go off on all these little tangents, but I think that that's what Cassian Andor is. It's a tangent. I think to some degree that's what The Mandalorian is, a tangent. It's a fair point, but think about the structure of something like the MCU. The MCU is a friggin' juggernaut at this point. If the MCU had just stuck with the OG Avengers forever and ever and ever, it never would have grown that big. You have movies like Black Panther and Captain Marvel, Guardians of the Galaxy that have different appeal, appeal in new areas that then brought people back to the core of it. I feel like by having those offshoots, you only make the brand stronger. I I agree with you, but I think you actually proved my point with that point because it's not a, it's not an equivalency. Okay, it, it's a big difference. Because in the MCU, all of the titular titular characters like word, <laughs> are all superheroes. Okay. They're all beyond men and women. They are superheroes. Like even there even different kinds of superheroes. It's like you could you could say someone with uh, you know uh, cosmic abilities like a Thor isn't someone like let's say an Ant Man where a human being developed that suit for him. It's like that's the Tie right, Fighter but, versus the Jedi to me. But 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 they all have an ability that goes beyond let's say um, Agent Coulson, or they all have an ability that goes beyond. I would still watch an Agent Coulson movie. Would you? Yes. Because that's exactly oh, uh, what we're getting oh, with, a, with, with, with a lot of this A hundred percent. That's what we're getting with Cassie and Andor, which, yes. you know, when I bring it back to the front of my mind, I see all the potential and the appeal there. I mean, it really, it all, it's, it's all connected anyway, whether you're force sensitive or not. Everything that we knew from way back in the beginning, because we had Jabba at the beginning, we had the underworld. It's all there. And yeah. it's just about as you get more money and as you find new platforms to expand it all. You can't keep doing the same thing over and over. you got to actually take that opportunity to do something different. And then you bring it all together in a future installment, and it's richer than ever before. Yeah, but I I agree with you, but I think that using the MCU as a comparable is, like, it's not accurate to a degree because the MCU is all about the superheroes, and it's never going to not be about people that are superhuman. Like, even Black Widow... And uh, Hawkeye are mm-hmm. superhuman. You know, like Black Widow can fight like nobody. I mean, she can fight so well that she can stand up against Thanos for like three seconds. You know, and and Hawkeye can shoot a friggin' arrow from an airplane and hit like. Not because they're superheroes, because they're super talented, unless they're scrolls. Sure, they're super talented, right? So, um, but but it's talent that reaches a level above humans, right? We can agree Most. on that. Most. Which you can still explore. You can have an incredible uh, X-Wing pilot or a TIE fighter pilot. 
Yeah, yeah. The the X Wing thing is cool because I am such a big Top Gun fan, and I love Battlestar Galactica. You know and, the part of Star Wars that makes me cry in what? the new the new movies every single time it comes on. Anytime March Look of the Resistance kicks in, I like have this weird thing where I cry. And Which it's one? Called Which one? March of the Resistance. It's the part of the score where you know when the the X Wing swoop in when they're all under attack at Maz's castle, and then also when they're on crate. Every mm. single time, it doesn't matter how many times I hear, I've heard that, how many times I've watched those scenes, I cry. Wow. <laughs> Something about seeing wow. X-Wing swoop into that. Um, so we we did get, we're, we're almost out of time here, guys, but we did get one more super chat that I will answer. Another one from Mr. Locke. Let me make sure that it's all kosher, Mr. Locke. You seem like a good person, but you never know. All right. Obi-Wan and Bale, Underground Railroad for few Remaining Jedi, Vader, not previously known to be alive, steps in at the end to crush the movement. That's a, that's a really interesting storyline. Mm. I like that. Like, I'm, yeah, that, there's so much you could do with this show, huh? I'm really into like the idea of just exploring Order sixty six and the repercussions a little more. It's like a, another yeah. book I loved yeah. is the the Ahsoka book and what it's like, you know, trying to reestablish some sort of semblance of a life after something like that. Yeah, so that's a great that's a great way to great segue to end off the episode. So five stories that we'd like to see in this discussion, um, and like in no particular order, no particular preference. I want to see. Um, the Qui-Gon Jinn, Obi-Wan, Darth Vader story of Qui-Gon's commitment to his conviction, which was you have to train the boy. You have to promise me. He was dying. Darth Maul had just put a lightsaber through his chest. And the only thing he told Obi-Wan is promise me you're going to take care of this kid. Yoda leaves him the last and final lesson to commune with Qui-Gon and learn the ways of communing as a blue glowy, as we used to call it in Star Wars Galaxies. And in this conversation, Obi-Wan expects it to be very nice. In reality, it's Qui-Gon saying, you fucking let me down. You let me down. You let him get away. It's your fault. All this stuff is your fault. You weren't a good enough teacher. That's the tough love I got to give you, right? So that's one story. Another story, just to summarize, um, the one you just said, which I thought was interesting... Uh, Are we talking about Young Leia? Because that's my favorite of the bunch. Young Leia is kind of my favorite too. That that <laughs> has risen to the top of the list. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a done deal in my mind. Yeah, yeah. Young Leia and how that leads into uh, that moment in Empire Strikes Back where they're sitting on the log, famously now or infamously now, and saying there is another, right? And yeah. having all that there is another stuff being set up in the show and having Obi-Wan actually establish a mentor relationship with Leia mm-hmm. through Jimmy Smith or some way, I think is also, wow, that sounds very, very exciting to me. Okay. Okay. Then the other one that we got um, was um, the the Tuscans, right? Yes. Having like going deeper into the Tatooine. Yeah, yeah. Staying thing. there. Staying in Tatooine, helping out uh, with uh, with Luke. Uh, we had a, a couple other ones that maybe we don't love as much. Darth we, Maul. Darth Maul. Darth Maul is another it's big one. It's been done though, so right? The no, Darth... it it has it hasn't been done to the point that it that it feels complete to me. Now, if they do Darth Maul, do you think it would be uh, Park and Whitwer again, like in Solo, sort of playing in tandem with each other? Um, 
I try to block solo if I'm being completely really? honest. I really, yeah. I was I was not happy in that movie, and I tried again. I went back and I saw it again because I really wanted to be a part of the. You wanted to like it. I, I, you really wanted to like it. You really it hurt, wanted to like it. You know, it. It, it hurt me a little. I yeah. wanted to. I, I really, all I want is for everybody to be happy and to celebrate Star Wars. <laughs> it breaks my heart that that's not our reality. Right. right. Um, I also like the idea of just including Sam Witwer in any of these ideas in any capacity where he can have a live action role. Now, here's another crazy one. Who else likes to live in Tatooine? Han Solo. There's no chance. There, there's no crossover moment there. I think that's that might be. Yeah. Over, over it's just like, done. you know what? How, like, I don't know. How do you go through all of that? All the hype of casting Alden uh, Ehrenreich and then just leave it at one movie. Leave I, it at I one movie. Like, Put him in the show. Yeah. I'm telling you, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series should run for seven seasons. It should be ten episodes a season. And it 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 can be our um what's the word? Uh our uh our refuge, our reservation, uh like like kind of like when when like uh, like a country is consumed by another country and then they give you like a little plot of land where you can still kind of live out your thing. I love how you've gone from like Obi-Wan series will bring everyone together to like let us just live <laughs> on our secluded <laughs> island. Yeah, let let us just stay with the Obi-Wan series. Give us everything we want. You got the money, people will watch and you experiment with all the weird destroy the past BS and break expectations over there. And, and, and give us the expectations Am I of here. exist in uh, both worlds here? Of course. Okay, I'll of take course. it then. <laughs> yeah. All right. So anyway, we're uh, six oh five. Um, I uh, I had a lot of fun. I um, I feel like we can keep going here because I feel like we're unresolved a little bit. And I got to be honest with you, I feel like we've been agreeing a lot. I was expecting us to to argue much more than we did. I don't know. I'm like. I'm open to all the possibilities, especially when we're in a position right now where we know nothing. We know nothing, nothing. and there are so many avenues to explore this iconic character. I mean, why not keep an open mind? It's exciting. Yeah, it really it's is. I, and it makes me hope even more so that we just get like the tiniest nugget of, de- of a detail, of a story point at D23. Look, and, and we also we're going to get Obi-Wan's lightsaber. We're going to get Anakin's lightsaber. They're both with him. He's holding on to them. He's gonna live in the hut. We got the crate dragon stuff also. I'm into that. We got the crate dragon stuff also. Um, and uh, anyway, man, there's some great stuff here. This is usually where Riley kind of takes us out. Does so- he do do a traditional outro like? Thank you guys so much for listening to Rule of Two or watching Rule of Two. Do not forget to like and share this video on the YouTube channel. If you are listening to us, leave a comment and rate the podcast. Really, that does help us quite a bit. And you can catch new episodes of Rule of Two every single Monday live at 5 p.m. PT. Yes. And next time, I promise, uh, since since the great Cody Hall, congratulations, just had a baby. Uh, Christian will be filling in for him, maybe, maybe some other folks, but we'll get the call-in thing working uh, next time. Um, the two callers that we did get were great. They contributed to the show, um, and you got to take us out again so I can do the bit. <laughs> <laughs> Is there, like, a specific wind-down? Thank you so much for yeah. listening to Rule of Two. This has been a wonderful time. I feel honored to be here, as always, and rise. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa full synthetic motor oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. 
These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General States pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. Stay little chico, pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive. Brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game. So that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 